Hey, good to see you guys again. Welcome. So happy. I love it when family is here and friends and stuff. So uh, most of you, I think, probably all of you are aware, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Easter is the most important day in the Christian calendar. Uh, Culturally, uh, we tend to put a lot more emphasis on Christmas than Easter. Christmas is, of course, the birth of Jesus, and it's a big shopping day and all that stuff, and a lot goes into that. Much less goes into Easter, but in terms of our faith, uh, Easter, that week, this, this coming week, Holy Week, Friday, the crucifixion of Jesus, and of course, Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus, is really the cornerstone of everything we believe. And so it is literally a, a day of new life in which we commemorate resurrection and life in Jesus. Uh, and so it is a special day, and as Tucker mentioned, I would really welcome and invite all of you, if you, if you don't have a, uh, somewhere else to be, to join us for that celebration. It will be a special day for us as well, as Tuck mentioned. Um, we felt it would be a good day for us to relaunch. We've been praying and talking about this for about a year and, and planning and preparing uh, to uh, to relaunch next week as Cascade Vineyard. That's our logo there on the board and the name. So I would just uh, encourage you guys to do everything you can to be here. It's really exciting. I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fun time. I really believe, uh, and this is just me, but I believe God's going to meet us in a special way. I really do. I think he's going to honor uh, our efforts. And so today, uh, what we're going to do, I, I was talking to my friend Eric a couple weeks ago about kind of things ending and things beginning, and I hadn't thought much about it, but we thought we should celebrate the end. And so we're going to do a little retrospective this morning. I think it's going to be fun. Look back on what God has done in and through us as a church. So I'm going to try to be brief this morning. Uh, Yeah, who's laughing at that? I'm going to try. I'm going to try to be brief, and then I've asked a few people to share this morning a little memory of their time here, and then at the end, we do have a little video montage. That should be fun. Yeah, I, I love this because I, I had a lot of fun this week. I went back over 20 years of pictures. And so there are a few shots of a few of you uh, in your younger days. And you look a little different. I'm just saying. But anyway, anyway. So uh, join us next week for that. Uh, let's pray. I do have a brief message I want to get into today. Uh, before before uh, I invite our, our friends to share. So, Lord, just bless uh, your word this morning and our time here today. We love you. It's so good just to be able to worship you and gather together and to see uh, familiar faces and, and really just fellowship in the name of the Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So, um, uh, our text this morning... Well, first, before we get into the, the, the text, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll say this, that, um, you know, new beginnings are uh, a challenge, always a challenge. I, this is, I'm going to do this. It's cheesy as all get out, but I'm going to do it anyway. I can't help. Uh, so, Semisonic has this song, and I, it's one of those songs, it's not a great song, but it is a great song, because when you hear it, it goes in your head, and it never comes out. It's there for days. Uh, we're not going to sing it right now because that'll happen. But one of the lines in it is, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. And I just think that's a profound reality that's true in life. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to look back. And, and our text is from Deuteronomy. We're, we're, we've been in the, the uh, Gospel of Luke, by the way, and we're going to take a two-week break. So today and next week, we will break. And then the week after Easter, we'll get back into to Luke again. But this morning from Deuteronomy, the Lord speaks to the children of Israel. He says, remember the days of old, consider... 
the generations long past. Ask your father, he will tell you, your elders, and they will explain to you. Sixteen times in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord tells the Israelites to remember. Um, they were on a journey with God, much in the same way that we are or any group of people anywhere at any time are. And in their journey, much like ours and others, not everything was always smooth. They ran into difficulties from time to time. And sometimes along the journey, you forget where you've come from and you forget what God has done and what God has spoken. And so he, he spoke to them repeatedly over and over again and said, remember uh, the past. And I think uh, it's a good word for us today. Change is an interesting dynamic. Uh, here, here's two things I've learned about change. Uh, one is it's always happening, and two is it's never easy. Change is always happening, and it's never easy. Uh, I, we all, we're all wired a little differently, but most of us like our routine. I am very much a creature of habit. I, I like things to be the same. I, I do not do well in change, and so it's, it's a challenge for me uh, when, when things are different, when my routine is not the same. But um, I've learned that even a positive change can be a challenge. You realize that? Uh, let me give you one example. Uh, I remember this in our lives, and I've watched it happen in the lives of my kids and lots and lots of other young people, when you have a baby. And when you have a new baby, that is the most blessed, wonderful miracle in the world. It is so awesome. It's the greatest thing that ever happened. And immediately afterwards, you have no sleep, your schedule goes completely sideways, and your house is totally chaos. It's a blessing, but there's a lot of stuff that happens along with that. And, and I found that how effective we are with dealing with change depends on what we remember and what we don't remember. For example, how many of us as parents, and you don't have to raise your hand on this, but when your children get a little older and that sort of initial chaotic phase passes, think back and go, man, that was just the worst time of our lives. That was terrible. I hope we never have to go through it again. Now, we don't usually think that, do we? No. Most of us would go, man, it was so fun. It was so exciting. It was so real. And so we don't focus on the challenges and the difficulties and the lack of sleep. We focus on the blessing of God. And I think that's an example of how what we remember from the past really does dictate how we approach the future. Your relationship to the past really will define and determine your relationship to the future. How do we remember, how do you remember what God's done in your life? Um, the children of Israel, now, Deuteronomy and Numbers are, are written at the same time. They're documenting the same period of history. So God's telling the Israelites to remember the days of old. This is what the Israelites are remembering. The people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. The rabble with them, I love that, the rabble. Began to crave other food, and again the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. Now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this wretched manna. I put wretched in there. The Israelites um, were complaining and they wanted to go back to Egypt. They forgot one little detail. They were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. Now they were free. God had blessed them and had a plan for them, but they didn't function very well in the transitional part 
and were stuck in the past. They were afraid of the future. They, were, they, were, they didn't like the present. They were sick of manna. Manna was God's provision. Uh, and, and they were afraid of the future. They'd heard, they'd heard that there might be giants in the land, lions and tigers and giants, oh my. It was kind of scary. They didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, the truth was God had a very special purpose and a very special plan for them, but they did not know that. And we never know what God has ahead for us in, in the immediate. Now, sometimes God will prophetically give us insights and little inklings of understanding, but we never know fully. So as we prepare here as a fellowship to move forward, I, I thought it would be good to just take a look back for a minute uh, on, on where we came from. And I, I want to start with this, you know, planting a church, if I'm going I'm to be uh, honest here this morning, was not a lifelong dream of ours. To be completely honest, it was not even on the radar screen. Donna and I were both a part of a church that we had grown up in. We'd been there for 20 years. Uh, we, we both, uh, like I said, grew up there. We met there. We got married there. We had our kids there. And in 1995, uh, my father, Donna, and I were all on staff there. And we thought that we would be there forever. This is our church. We loved it. And our assumption was, we'll die here. This is where we're going to be. But God had different plans, and He began through a series of circumstances that at first I tried to, you know, when God starts speaking to you about something you don't want to hear, you go, ah, la, la, no, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you. But uh, eventually, God was so persistent that I had to pay attention, and it became very, very clear to us that we were to move and to plant a church, and eventually through a process of discernment that we were to come here. Uh, so in uh, March of 1996, we moved to Portland, and uh, Two weeks after, we, we kind of hit the ground running. Two weeks after we got here, we met in our living room in Wilsonville with a group of people that we did not know at all, and we sort of launched the beginning of what was originally Tualatin Valley Vineyard Christian Fellowship. A few of you were there. For whatever reason, and, and this is, you know, again, God's sense of humor, I suppose, but for whatever reason, we had a herd of teenagers almost overnight, and uh, so we really technically started a youth group before we started a church. And the youth group was meeting in a home actually just down the street from here, about a mile away. And Doug and Sandy Martz were coming to church with their son, Eric. And I heard that Eric played guitar. So I went to him and I said, hey, do you, do you think you could lead worship for this youth group? And he goes, well, I, I don't know. I could try, I guess. So we, uh, we met that first night. We're sitting around in a little circle. Eric starts playing. And uh, Eddie McCauley, our youth leader, and myself looked at each other like, oh, my gosh, this guy's really good. And it was just sort of God saying, hey, I've got some blessings for you. This is a surprise. Um, from the very beginning, um, we were committed to caring for the poor. It's, it's my belief, and it's our heart as a church, that... We are mandated, biblically, to care for the poor. It's not an option. And then if we don't do that, we're not really walking in the fullness of who uh, God has called us to be. So we started our food pantry immediately. Um, we, we were, again, you know, just weeks into our, our time here. And my daughter, Jordan, who was about 12 at the time, I think, got out the yellow pages. And, and she's looking under D for donations. And, and I go, Jordan, that's not how it works. Um, but her heart was in the right place. But, but we started our, our food pantry, which has been a staple of this church for the entire duration now, and we continue to feed 
you know, dozens and dozens, dozens of folks every week. We also started that first year, our Thanksgiving outreach that we continue to this day. And I will never forget that first Thanksgiving. At that time, we were not nearly as sophisticated as we are now. Now we have people sign up in advance. We have numbers. We know who's coming. Then we just, well, we'll buy some turkeys. Uh, so we were standing in the Winco parking lot holding hands. We bought these prepackaged Thanksgiving dinners. I don't remember how many of them. And we took them to Benita Villa Apartments over on McDonald. And we knocked on doors and we just said, hey, we got turkeys if you would like one. It's for Thanksgiving. And I'll never forget knocking on this apartment door and this young guy, young man, he had no shirt on, he's a Hispanic guy. And I said, hey, I've got a Thanksgiving box here if you'd like a Thanksgiving dinner. And he looked at me and he says, what's Thanksgiving? And uh, just had the opportunity to, you know, share a little bit about who Jesus was and what Thanksgiving was and some other things. And it was a, we prayed together. It was a blessed time. Um, we have always been a people of worship. And God has continually blessed us with uh, amazing, amazing worship leaders. Uh, when we first started, we didn't have a worship leader. I came here without a worship leader, which was my biggest nightmare. And uh, we were literally en route on our way here, and my friend David Parker was pastor at Lancaster Vineyard. He said, hey, there's a young guy from my church that just moved to Portland. Why don't you call him? So I called Mike Barrett, and we had lunch, and uh, we had a great time, nice talk, and really connected. Mike said, hey, I'm involved in another church here in town, so, but we, I'd love to just hang out now. And then we said, sure, let's do that. Thanks, man. That's cool. And he called me the next day. He goes, I got to do it. I got to be involved. And so Mike was our first worship leader. And led worship for us for a season. And then uh, Kevin Benson showed up. Kevin was actually a fairly well-known worship leader here in the area. And he was just coming and hanging out. And then Mike actually came to me one day. He goes, this is ridiculous. And I go, what is ridiculous? He goes, I'm up here. He's down there. We need to make a change. So we, uh, we uh, indoctrinated Kevin, and he became our worship leader. And almost immediately, uh, Eric started leading with Kevin. And then uh, for years, it was the two of them leading together. It was kind of... Stan and Ollie was this really huge guy and a really little guy, and it was kind of weird, but they did a great job, and that's all I cared about. Sorry. Uh, later, Stacy Igarda joined uh, that team and, and began leading worship, and after that, Ron Williams. And then after we moved here, uh, Jesse Meyer came and led. Uh, Wally actually led for us for a little while, and Cindy led for a while, and then Sarah Lorente was here and led for a season, and then uh, the current Motley crew that we have today. And I, I just want to say, for me personally, that's one of the greatest blessings in my life, to be able to uh, have had fantastic worship and beautiful people leading worship throughout the history of our church. It's never failed us, and uh, God has never failed us in that regard. Um, we've had some amazing highs in the life of our church. We had some lows, too. In 2009, there was a combination of things that happened, some internal challenges as a church, and then also uh, some of you will remember a little economic collapse that happened about then wasn't fun for most of us, uh, but we, it caused us to kind of go into a downward spiral, and we lost the lease on the building that we were sitting in in 2010, we were meeting in, and I remember Don and I talking and, and thinking that, you know, uh, we hope we've gotten word out to everybody, but we don't know for sure, so on the Sunday after our last Sunday there, we went, the two of us went and sat on a bench in front of the building and waited in case anybody showed up, and... Uh, you know, we just sat there and cried because it was such a uh, a loss for us. You know, we felt like God had given us this dream, and 
Now we didn't know what was going to happen. Where was our dream going to go? I had been praying at that time with a group of pastors here in Tigard for quite a while. And so Jeff Kalaveg, who was the pastor of this church at that time, called me and he said, hey, you just need to come and move in with us. You were right. Brogan told me I would cry before church. Uh, you know, this is one of the things I brag about the most when I'm with my vineyard colleagues is the fact that we have an amazing partnership with a Lutheran church. Because frankly, theologically and in other ways, we couldn't be any more different. And yet the reality is we serve the same God and um, we partner together in so many things. And uh, this church has been the really the gracious hand of God on our lives. That's the reality of it. And I am so... You know, you can, and again, you remember, you look around, you go, okay, well, we meet in somebody else's building. It's just in a great room or whatever. But I look at this and I go, this is the hand of God to us. And it's a blessing. And so I'm so incredibly thankful for Jeff and for Pastor Dorothy. Um, you know, we have our food bank up in the uh, office building up here in the garage. And, you know, as we grow, we talk about from time to time, maybe we'll move and find a building of our own and all that. And uh, Dorothy came to me one day and she said, I have a question for you. I said, what's that? She goes, if you guys relocate and, and uh, move your church, would you consider leaving the food bank here? And uh, I said, yeah, I think we, I think we could do that. Uh, and they really do uh, love that ministry and partner together with us in that. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a joy. It's a joy. We've been here for a little while, and now, as mentioned earlier, we're going to you know transition. We'll still be here for, for a season longer, but we are changing our name and rebranding and kind of going into a new start. Um, so as we look back, we also want to look forward, uh, but I want to encourage you all to just pray with us for next week. We have mailed out 2,500 invitations to our neighbors and invited them to come and join us. So we have no idea what's going to happen. That's always a fun thing. Um, typically, you get a very low, low percentage on a mailing like that, so just don't worry too much. <laughs> But uh, before we close, we got a few minutes. I've invited a few people to share with us this morning. So uh, they are very reluctant to do this, but I'm going to make them. I told them they had to. Uh, so Don McCaskill has not been with us nearly as long as some of the others, but sometimes it seems like she's been here forever. And she's become uh, a really blessed part of her family as well. And Tucker's got a different microphone for you. Hi, guys. <laughs> um, so, as Glenn said, um, I haven't been here as long, and if it wasn't for the food pantry, I probably never would have started because it was Cindy there that um, welcomed me. We had literally just gotten off of homelessness and had just gotten into a new apartment, and I wasn't really in with the Lord, but when I moved into the place and God put eight churches within walking distance, I, I kind of got the hint. Um, I knew I was going to be going somewhere. I just didn't know where. And I went to the food pantry. And Cindy, who isn't normally there, but by the grace of God, she was. And she just welcomed me in and just saw past my hiddenness because I had, like, this big sweatshirt and huge clothes and just was kind of, like, there because I needed food for my family. Um, and with coming, what, with sitting here thinking about all this, um, I realized that it was literally 
six years ago this week. Mm. I started right before Easter. And when I came in, I sat in the very back of the church and just was here. And then slowly kind of walked, got in. Um, I started before my daughter did, but now she's like a huge part. And she's gone to the uh, trip to Mexico three times. And each time, the first year she was like, I'll never be a leader. I'll never do anything. I'll only go as this. And then this year, the Lord stepped her out and put that, you know, leadership in her. And, And we talked about it before she went. And she was like, oh, my goodness, my knee hurts. People are going to touch me. People are going to pray for me. I'm, and I'm going to be a leader type. Oh, my gosh, I can't do this. But she did, and she did great. And I just love all the things, all the beauty that I see in her life growing with this. Um, I haven't always had a very easy life. It was uh, actually really horrible a lot of times. But now looking back, I saw God with me all the time, but I didn't know he was with me. Um, but now I can appreciate that and I would not change anything, even the bad things, because it made me who I am now. Not perfect, but getting there slowly. (laughs) Um, so I just, I started coming as a food pantry person and then started volunteering. And now I'm there pretty much every single week. That's like one of my staples. And Some of the people like me and some don't, but that's kind of the way it is. And you kind of just have to, you know, I try to keep it even like, you know, it's, this is the way it is. I'm sorry, but this is it. Deal with it. Uh, There's there's many other pantries if you can't handle it. So, but I appreciate you being here. Just follow the rules, you know? So sometimes it's kind of hard and it's a challenge and I'm sitting there praying in the car, like, cause those who don't know, I work from 3.30 in the afternoon till 2 o'clock in the morning. And so getting up that Thursday morning is a real challenge for me. And I'm like, Lord, is this really where I'm supposed to be when I could be sleeping or resting for this crazy evening that I'm going to have? But every week, pretty much, I'm there. And this church has been such a family I have gotten my last three jobs through here. I've just, the more I just rely on God, the less stress I have. But I don't, if that makes any sense. I mean, I have tons of stress, but it's just, I've just learned just to not hold on to it and just be like, okay, what's the challenge or what's the adventure? So I turned my challenges into adventures. And so each day is a new one. So, um, but I really appreciate everybody for just, like, actually giving me a family, which I Amen. haven't ever really had since my grandmother passed away when I was really young. Amen. So I've adopted everybody, and I, my, I have a new nana. And so, you know, I just really thank everybody, and I'm just excited for the new things that uh, God has for me. And uh, I know each year it's getting even better, and... I've seen so many possibilities and so many uh, opportunities open up to me for just letting the Lord just take it. So, thank you. Thanks, Don. All right, planting a church is a family affair. We're going to go a little over today. I hope that's okay. Come on. But, uh, you know, when we started here, it was a big move for our kids. 
but they've been a part uh, with us from the very beginning. So my daughter Jordan and her husband Matt have, uh, some of you know a little bit of their story, but Jordan's going to share a little bit with you this morning about some of what they've been through and how they've been supported here as well. You can come up, Jordan. I'm going to get your presentation ready. We can make it dark, but you nobody will see you. Oh, no, no one. No one wants to see you? No. Can you get the lights for Kyle? There you go. Okay, go ahead. That's fine. So I'm speak you, to you, you in the dark. Okay, so you know how to do it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm also reading from notes because I've been given a limited amount of time. And I like to talk a lot. But a picture's worth a thousand words, so I have lots of pictures, so hopefully that will help me fly through this. Um, When I was a kid, going back to when we were in Anaheim Vineyard, um, I was pretty sure I had miracles all figured out. And how it works is someone would be sick and suffering, and people would pray, and then there was like a boom, and they were healed. And... um, You know, one second they're sick, the next second they're healed, and it was an instant miracle. I don't know if that's a generational thing, but that's how I was pretty sure that it worked. And um, now that I'm old, 34, um, I've learned that sometimes that is how miracles work, and sometimes they don't work that way. And, like, we're celebrating Easter next week, and, you know, Christ's resurrection is an example of that, where he was dead for three days. You know, that was not an instant miracle. And um, God promised me when I was a little kid that I was going to see a miracle, and he did keep his promise. I have seen a miracle, and I'm still seeing it. Um, But it was not an instant miracle. It's what I've um, grown to call a miracle in slow motion. And how a miracle in slow motion works is it's a lot of little miracles that happen in a row, one after the other. And so I'm going to share a little bit of my story with pictures and just kind of point out these little miracles that happen along the way. Um, So this is a story about two friends And I don't like to talk about myself, and Holly doesn't like me to talk about her either. So we're going to call these friends J and H, okay? Um, So this is a story about two friends. And by the way, we we met when we were babies at Anaheim. And um, J was really sick. And she was sick for a long time. She prayed for 10 years that she would get better um, because... She just wanted to be a mom, but she couldn't be a mom because she was too sick, and um, those 10 years were a long time waiting for that instant miracle to happen, and I was pretty sure that people were going to pray for me, and I was going to get better, and boom, that was going to be the miracle, Um, but then what happened was H stepped in, and she said, um, I want to make you a mom. And um, for someone to sacrifice uh, everything, their own body, their time with their family, um, their life, really, that was the first miracle that happened. Because that's not something that just happens once in a lifetime. That's something that 
a lot of people go through their lifetime and something like that doesn't happen for them. So that was my first miracle right there. And then um, she got pregnant on her very first transfer, which in the IVF world is a rarity. And that was our next miracle, was seeing these positive tests. And then a little while later, we found out that there was not one, but two in there. And that was another miracle for us. And then a little later, we found out it was a boy and a girl. And that just felt like we won the lottery. I mean, literally, it was like that was another miracle right there. We were just completely overjoyed. Um, I think the doctors told us there's like a 12% chance that it might be twins. There was a higher chance that there would be no pregnancy the first time. So we felt really excited. It was a miracle. And everything was going like perfectly until, um, until it wasn't. And um, H, her body um, became in danger. Her life became in danger. And the baby's lives became in danger. And it became evident that the babies, in order for her health and their health, the babies needed to come out. And that was four months too soon in the pregnancy. And at that point, uh, the doctors told us at 23 weeks gestation that a baby is not viable at that age. And they recommended something um, that they call palliative care, which basically means that they would make the babies comfortable while we held them while they died. Um, But H and J and our husbands, who were there throughout it all, were really our rocks, and we all decided that we're not going to do that. (laughs) We're going to fight and we're going to pray. And this church, um, it's hard to see that picture, but this church prayed. This church came together and came around us and prayed. And they prayed and they prayed. And they actually came um, to our hospital room when we were um, waiting for this to all happen. And they prayed. Oh, skipping through. I don't know, can you hear the volume? Or? Can you give us the volume, girl? I was in our hospital room. All the nurses and the doctors um, knew where our faith was. And Holly actually made friends with some nurses in the hospital that she prayed for them while she was going through this. And um, the babies were born alive. And that was a pretty huge miracle. And they were tiny, uh, but they were they were born breathing and crying, and it was an absolute miracle their birth that day. Um, they were just about over one pound each when they were born. Um, And Holly was also, her, she was also safe, too. And that was another miracle, because uh, her life was in danger, too. And we spent um, 98 days in the NICU there. 
And during that 98 days, which is a long time to be in a hospital space with the same nurses and doctors, I noticed that no one ever said the H word, which is home. And during that 98 days, I um, saw other babies that didn't make it home. And it became evident to me that the reason these doctors and nurses are not talking about home is because statistically, these babies would never see the outside of the hospital. And, um, and then this church prayed. And they prayed for us here. They came to the hospital and prayed. And we just put our faith in God. We prayed. And then they did go home. And that was another one of those small miracles, you know. The, the day that they went home really felt like a miracle. And um, then, you know, coming home and early intervention kicked in really early. And we were reminded that, you know, even before the babies were born, we made that choice to fight. Um, the doctors had described, you know, the few surviving 23-weekers that have um, rarely survived. They described it to us as severe neurological deficits that the survivors, you know, were very likely to, to experience. And they told us, you know, they might never walk. They might never talk. And this church prayed and um, they did walk. <laughs> I just love this video. Jackson! Jackson! He wanted to be like Nana. Cadence. Is there a traffic jam here? <laughs> so they did walk, and Jackson was just almost two when he started walking without the walker, and Cadence was about two and a half. And that was a miracle. You know, we waited and we prayed for that. And it was another one of those little miracles and this miracle in slow motion that was happening. And, you know, so there have been some delays. Um, but I definitely would not come anywhere close to calling it severe neurological deficits, as you've both seen them running around here. Um, but one of them, you know, Jackson, he really has had the whole talking part. Um, the speech delay has been longer of a challenge for him. And he's three and a half, and he had never said the word mom or dad. And so a couple, a few weeks ago, I brought him up here so that this church could pray. And then that same week, we got home and this happened. Dad. Dad. Dad, dad. Dad, dad. Good job. <laughs> Who's that? Mama. Mama. <laughs> Mama. Mama. <laughs> that was another little miracle. And 
these miracles in slow motion, it's like, I'm just learning more and more about them (laughs) the further we get. Because I used to think the miracle in slow motion ended, you know, when they were born. And then I thought it ended when we left the hospital. And now I'm realizing that it's still happening. Like, we're still in the middle of this miracle in slow motion. And it's going to keep happening until one day when, I don't know, I don't know, until one day when... You can't tell they're ever preemies at all or until Cadence is the president or, you know, Jackson's an astronaut. I don't know, but it's just, it's not going to end. Like this miracle is still happening. We're still getting to watch it. And in some ways, you know, having the slow motion miracle, it is harder because I think we all like that idea of like suffering just ending like that, you know, and that's really appealing, and, like, those other kind of miracles are super cool, but in other ways, it honestly, it's just felt like such an honor, like, when I, when I have those, have the hard moments, when I have those moments where I realize, like, oh, wow, that was another miracle in this slow motion miracle, I'm like, I've been chosen to receive the honor of getting to watch that up close. And that's really, really, truly how I feel about this whole experience. I feel like God selected me and Matt. God selected Holly and John. He knew we were strong. And he was like, you guys get to see something really cool. You get to be a part of something really cool. And it has been such an honor. It has been such a blessing. So I just wanted to share with everyone what um, Miracle in Slow Motion is all about. Uh, that's Cadence and she was born and then Cadence a few weeks ago at her little BFF's birthday party and Jackson when he was born and then we went to the um, aviation museum so there you go that's a miracle in slow motion and I'm just thankful for this church for all the prayers all along the way and um, that you've all got to be a part of it with us Forgot to mention, Cadence not only talks, but she's sassy. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and close. We've run over, so why don't we stand together, and we'll just close in prayer today. Uh, we're not going to take time to get into um, our official ministry time, but if you're here this morning and you would, you need prayer, would like somebody to pray, pray with you, please just turn around and grab somebody close by. Pretty much everybody here is uh, able to pray, so if you need prayer, we'll do that. But I just want to thank God and, and uh, pray to close and just encourage you guys again to be with us next week as we open the next chapter. Father, thank you so, so much for our history and what you've done and for uh, the opportunities we've had to see your hand in big ways and small ways. And we, we never forsake your touch on our lives in any way, Lord God. So we are so blessed and so thankful. I ask your hand of grace and blessing to be on everybody here today, Lord, and pray that you would just uh, walk with us this week. Help us to reflect on what Easter means and the resurrection and the life that we have in Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.